creation of your word. Have your way, oh God. Move upon this place. Touch our hearts and our minds in such a way so that we would see Jesus. And in seeing him, find him more lovely, more adoring, more wonderful, more pleasurable than all that this world has to offer. And in seeing him even this morning, might he become a new Christ to us. Be magnified now. Be glorified now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, indeed, it is... um, Delightful and good to, <clears throat> excuse me, to see everyone here this morning. I was beginning to wonder as I was watching the news and saw all the churches scroll through saying that they were closed. I was beginning to wonder if people would just assume at these points churches would be, church doors would be closed. But then I thought about um, Elder Woodard and I knew that if anybody was going to show up this morning, it was going to be Elder Woodard. And God forbid that he would be here by himself. So I plan to preach this sermon to Brother Anthony all by himself. So y'all are here to join in. But this is a conversation that I planned between me and Brother Anthony. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I do believe that um, God is delighted that we would be here this morning. I'm delighted to see all of you Uh, We have been making our way through a series of messages concerning the the coming of Christ in the world. And we've been asking the question, why did Jesus come? And we saw a couple of weeks ago from the pen of the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 3 that Jesus came that he might destroy the works of the devil. Thank you, brother. Last week, we looked at the writings of we looked at the, from the writings of the um, Apostle Paul. And we saw that in 1 Timothy chapter 1, that Christ came, that um, he might save sinners, of whom Paul said that he is the foremost. And this week, we look at the words of Christ himself, even from the Gospel of John. And we hear Christ himself saying that he came, indeed the son of man came into the world that we, his people, that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Christ came into the world that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And so we should understand that at Christmas time, as we contemplate and we reflect upon the birth of Christ, what we are reflecting upon is indeed the birth of life. Who was born? Who was born in that manger on that day? We should understand that life was born in that manger, lying there in that stall, feeding upon the breast of Mary. There was life itself. Life came into the world. 
If you go back to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, the Bible reminds us that God created Adam from the dust of the ground and he breathed into him the breath of life. Adam became a living creature because God breathed life into Adam. When Christ came into the world, life was not breathed. Life was born. Life was born into the world. Christ did not receive the breath of life. The Bible tells us that Christ is life. John Chapter 1 and verse 4, the Bible says, In him was life, and the life was the light of all humanity. Adam and Eve were given life. Jesus came into the world as life. And the revelation of the Son of God, even, even as a baby laying there in Mary's lap, was that he is the one through whom and by whom all things exist and are sustained. He is life. We are dependent beings. You do understand that. That all of us, that all of us are dependent on other things and other persons and other entities in order for us to exist and to be sustained in this world. Christ is the only independent being. God is independent. He is self-sustained, self-controlled because he has life in himself. So when Jesus is born as a baby, as God himself humbles himself to be born of a woman, he subjects himself to the care of Mary. But in reality, it is not Jesus who needs Mary. It is Mary who needs Jesus. It is not Mary who sustains the Christ child. It is Christ who is sustaining Mary the whole time as he is sustaining all of creation because in him was life. And that life is the light of all humanity. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 15, we are told that Christ is called the author of life or the prince of life or the originator of life. The one in whom and by whom life begins and life exists. But this is not just titles given to him. Beloved, this is the title. This is the understanding that Jesus said of himself. In John chapter 11 and verse 25, as Jesus stood at the tomb of his friend Lazarus and he declared to all those who had death and sorrow on their minds and hearts, Jesus says that I am the resurrection and I am the life. And all who would believe in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And in John Chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus again states it plainly when he says, I am the way, 
I am the truth. I am the life. Life. And so we should see that when Jesus came into the world, he came as life. He brought life. He was life. And why is this so important? Why the emphasis upon life being in Christ and life coming into the world? Well, this is true and this is important because the Bible reminds us that apart from Christ, the world, even you and I, are dead. Dead. The Bible reminds us of Ephesians chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1, that apart from Christ, we all are dead in our trespasses and sin. And this is the state of all the world apart from Christ. Every human being without the revelation of Jesus Christ is dead, though they speak. He used to be common on death row as the inmate was going to his execution that the guards would holler out, dead man walking. Dead men walking. How is that? Do dead men walk? Yes, they do every day. Dead men walk every day. In fact, the next time that your unbelieving neighbor is out on the lawn mowing his lawn, you can say, dead man mowing. The next time you're at the grocery store and you run into an unbeliever neighbor, you can say, dead man shopping. Next time you're watching your television and one of those politicians gets up there and starts talking, you can say, dead man lying. I'm just kidding. Not all of them. Just most of them. But the point is made, beloved, that apart from Christ, the entire world is dead. And Jesus himself reminds us this morning that the reason for the season is that we are all subject to sin and death unless the baby that was born in Bethlehem comes into the world to give us life. But what is this life that he comes to give? The Bible says, Jesus himself says, I came that you might have life And have it to the full. And have it abundantly. What is this abundant life? And how is this life more abundant than the life of dead men walking? Well, if you look at our text this morning, Jesus puts this life in the context of a shepherd with his sheep. Now, normally, one would not associate the abundant life with the life of a sheep. For if you go all throughout old McDonald's farm, you will find there that the sheep would not seem to have the most abundant life. The sheep are not the most industrious. They don't have the prestige of horses. They don't have the worth of cattle. They don't even carry with them the companionship of dogs and cats. 
They are not the fleetest of foot and they are not ferocious, even though at times they need to be. No, theirs is not what we would designate or associate with the abundant life, except for this reality. That their life is in the hands of a faithful and a loving and a caring and a protecting shepherd. And if their life is abundant, it is not because of who they are. It is because of their shepherd. And notice how Jesus contrasts the good shepherd, the faithful shepherd. Notice how he contrasts the life of the shepherd with the sheep as it is contrasted with the thief or the hireling or the stranger in our text. Denoting the life of the sheep in relationship to the shepherd who owns them and the one who has just come in to steal and kill and to destroy. Notice the contrast. The hired hand or the stranger or the thief comes in to take while the shepherd, the faithful shepherd, comes to give. Notice that the thief comes to sacrifice the sheep for himself, where the faithful shepherd comes to sacrifice himself for the sheep. Notice that the shepherd or the hired hand or the thief leaves the sheep worse off than when he found them. But notice the shepherd never leaves or forsakes the sheep. And who is the shepherd? Well, the Bible reminds us in verse 11, and Jesus says that I am the good shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. But this designation of Christ as shepherd is not only found here from Jesus' mouth, but we see it throughout the New Testament. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20, Jesus is referred to as the great shepherd. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4, he is referred to as the chief shepherd. And indeed, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 25, Jesus is referred to as the shepherd and overseer, even the bishop of our souls. And as our great and good and chief Shepherd, he has come to give us life and that life to the fullest. The idea is an extraordinary existence. An existence that is much more than anybody could or should be expecting. The abundant life. And this life that Christ gives us is a life that transcends cultures. It transcends class. It is not a tie to your national origin. It is not subject to certain times in history. It is not conditioned upon social or economic boundaries. It is no respecter of position. It is no respecter of persons. It is no respecter of power. 
It is a life that Christ delights to give to all his sheep, wherever they may be found. But what is this life? What is this abundant life of which Christ speaks, of which we all who have believed in Christ are heirs and the recipients of? Well, before we talk about what the life is, let's just speak for a moment of what it is not. This life that Christ is speaking here, this life to the fullest, this extraordinary, this abundant life, first of all, it is not the quote-unquote good life. The quote-unquote good life as it is commonly understood by our world. It is not about houses or lands or fine clothes or jewelry. It is not material possession or popularity. And contrary to what some in the world might believe that the church teaches, the life that is found in Jesus Christ is not the life whereby now we have and shall have all the worldly possessions we desire. But on the contrary, I heard somebody rightly say, at least make reference to that Christ didn't come into the world so you can get a job, make a little money, start living for a car, get a house, wife, kids, and a dog so you can retire, live high on the hog. In fact, as they remind us, that's not living at all. For to live is Christ. And that's Paul, I recall. Indeed. Indeed, the life that Christ has brought to us is not the quote-unquote good life. It's not the good life, but neither, beloved, is, the, is it the quote-unquote high life. This is the life that is commonly associated with a certain kind of beer. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It is the life of high living. It is uptown, high rise, high end associations. The privileged class, the beautiful people, celebrity status. This is not the life that Christ has brought to us. It is not the high life. It is not the quote unquote good life and neither is it beloved the fast life, the quote-unquote fast life. We are familiar with this type of living commonly associated with the overindulgence of pleasures in the world. This fast living where we get all we can get as fast as we can get it. This hedonistic pursuit of pleasures that always leads to dependency, if not ultimately to addiction. The fast life. So then if Christ has not come to give us the quote unquote good life and he has not come to give us the quote unquote fast life and he did not come to bring us the high life, what is this life that he has brought to us? What is this life that he calls full? What is this life that he calls abundant? 
Well, we need to understand it has nothing to do with wealth or position. It has little to do with fine clothes or popularity. For you do understand, you do understand that there was more life in that filthy manure-ridden stable than there were in all of the palaces throughout the Roman Empire. This doesn't have to do with fine clothes where Jesus came wrapped in swaddling clothes. It doesn't have to do with power and position. Joseph didn't have enough influence to get a room in the end. It's not the high life, not a quote-unquote good life. It's not the fast life. It is a life that is full, though. It is the extraordinary life. And it's a life that is available to all who would believe. And what is it? Well, first of all, it's the cured life. It's the cured. Don't forget that he who is life came to die so that we might live. And in dying, his life has cured us of what ails us. And that is sin. But the Bible reminds us again in Ephesians chapter 2 that we were dead in trespasses and sin. But now by faith we have been made alive with God. Alive in Christ Jesus. And Jesus himself said the shepherd comes and he lays down his life for the sheep. Why? so that they might live. So that they might live. So that they could experience life in the grace and the love and the mercy of God. So that they could be cured of what ails them. Sin. Jesus in Mark chapter 2 and verse 12 said it plainly himself. Those who, have, who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And I came to call sinners, not the righteous. I am the physician who comes to cure the sick. The abundant life is the cured life. It is the forgiven life. If your sins are forgiven this morning, beloved, do not take that lightly. If you have been cured of that which ails you, which, is, which has separated you from God and for that, you are due the condemnation for that sin, even the eternal punishment of hell. Do not take it lightly that you have been cured. Christ has come into the world so that you might not die, but so that you could live and be free from sin. And do you understand this? That the forgiveness of your sins is not contingent or dependent upon your financial worth. 
This is a life that comes to us no matter your financial condition. Doesn't matter if you qualify for high interest or you qualify for low interest or you qualify for no interest at all. The only thing that matters is that you have interest in your Savior's blood. That you could say with Charles Wesley, and can it be that I should gain an interest in my Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain. For me who pursued him even to death. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, would come, my shepherd would die for me? It's the cured life, beloved. That is the life that Christ came to give. That is the abundant life. It is the cured You're cured. You're healed. You're free. But it's not just the cured life. It is also the assured life. It is the assurance of this fact that makes it so abundant and wonderful. For abundant life is life with the assurance of the shepherd. Notice that Jesus says, the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd and he calls them by name. He calls them by name and he leads them out. He calls them by name. Name. The assurance of this life is not just that Christ has come into the world to save everybody, but it is that Christ has come to save you and he knows your name. This is so wonderful. You ever, you ever meet someone and, and they tell you their name? And then a little while longer, you see them again and you're scrambling, trying to remember. But then they remember yours. And not only gives you a sense of shame but not remembering theirs, but it also gives you a sense of significance. They remember. They remembered my name. Gives you a sense of importance and significance in their life. Understand that Christ did not come for nameless ones. He came for those he knew by name. And he calls them. In fact, in verse 27 of the same chapter, he says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them. I know them. I know them. A.W. Pink has reminded us that Christ delights to call us all by name. Calls us all by name. There, when, when he's sitting at the tax table collecting taxes, Jesus calls out, Matthew, come and follow me. There is, there he is up in the sycamore tree trying to get a view of Jesus as Jesus passes by. And he says, Zacchaeus. 
come down. Today, I'm going to abide in your house. What about Jesus standing there at the tomb? And all are weeping, all are crying, all are in bewilderment. Some are even blaming him for not being there on time. And Jesus speaks into that grave and says, Lazarus. And what of them, the Damascus Road? And Saul is going about the persecution of Christ and his church. And the voice from heaven comes and says, Saul, Saul. And you need to understand, beloved. He is still calling names. If you are saved this morning, he called you. He called you by name. He called out your name. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 8, of those whom he foreknew, he called. And he calls us by our name. He says in John chapter 10 and verse 14, I know my own. And they know me. This is the assurance. It is not a blank, nameless people that the shepherd delights to save. It is those he knows by name. And he reminds us that not only are we his, but he is ours. Because he knows us. And this is our assurance. And it is a blessed assurance that what? Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir, heir of salvation. Purchased of God. Watched, uh, born of his spirit. And washed in his That's my assurance because that's my story that Jesus is mine and I am his forever. The abundant life, the full life that the shepherd brings to his people is not just the cured life and it is not just the assured life But, beloved, it is also the secured life. It is secure. It is safe. It is not only life now, but it is eternal life with Christ. For the very nature of the full and abundant life is that it does not end. It has no end to it. Whatever life you are living, it eventually ends. And if it ends, it is not full. The good life ultimately turns bad. The fast life ultimately has to slow down. And the high life eventually comes crashing to the ground. Oh, 
but the life that is abundant in Christ Jesus is the life that goes on and on and on. It does not end. Notice what Jesus says in chapter, in, in chapter 10 and verses 27 and 28. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. Nor, nor will, no one will snatch them out of my hand. The same hands that took the nails are the hands that hold on to you. Do you know in chapter 8 of Romans and verse 35, Paul asks a rhetorical question that the world has yet to find the right answer to. Where he says, who shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? And the answer then and the answer now is no one. No one shall separate the sheep from the shepherd. You may as well try to empty the ocean with a tablespoon as to separate the shepherd from the sheep. You may as well seek to try to catch wind in a baby's bottle as to make the shepherd forsake his sheep. It is not happening. Why? Because he has come not to bring the good life, not to bring the fast life, not to bring the high life, but he has come to his sheep that they might have eternal life. And that life, not only then, but that eternal life is ours now. That's what makes this life so abundant because no matter what happens stocks go up and stocks come crashing down I have life and it is the abundant life beloved this is the amazing love of God in bringing life to his people It is the abundant life. It is the full life. It is the unexpected, the extraordinary, the undeserved, the life that is more than anyone should or could expect. And it is the cured life. It is the assured life. And it is the secured life. Because no one can snatch that life from the hands of the shepherd and your name the songwriter says your name are on the palms of his hands and they are there with marks of indelible grace and you shall never find them removed for all of eternity Do you understand that the life that you now have here on earth 
right now is the same eternal abundant life that those who have already gone on to glory and are fellowshipping around the throne. They might be more happy and they might not have to deal with the cold weather. But do you know they are not more secure? That they have eternal life and all those who have believed in Christ Jesus have that same eternal life as well. Because, beloved, it is the full life. It is the cured, it is the assured, and it is the secured life. The only question left this morning, really, is, is that life yours? Is that life yours? Have you come to Christ? And have you received life in him? The Bible reminds us that in there is life in the blood. And that life is in the blood of the lamb. It's in the blood of the one whose life he gave for us. It is in the life of that young baby boy born in that manger. It is in the life of the blood that was shed upon that cross. It's in the life of the blood that was sprinkled upon the mercy seat of heaven. It's life in that blood where you find forgiveness, where you find your cure, where you find your assurance, where you find your security. Have you been washed in his blood? Have you come to Jesus for his cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Have you come to him for life, not the good life, not the high life, not the fast life, but have you come to him for eternal life and that life to the fullest? That is the reason why Christ has come into the world, that we might have life that we might have it to the fullest. It is here this morning for anyone and everyone who delights to receive it. Exchange your life for his and find in him life and that life abundantly. Would you come? Anyone. You can come. And in him, find life. Let us pray. Father God, I do pray. If there's anyone here under the sound of my voice who hasn't come to you for life and that life more abundantly, who have not seen 
the Christ child, born in a manger, born that they might have life in you, that their sins might be forgiven, that they could be assured of heaven, that they can find security and peace and eternal life in Christ. God, I pray that you would touch their hearts right now. Touch them even now. That they might at this moment be awakened unto newness of life. We thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the conviction of the spirit. We thank you for the comforting of your grace. We thank you for life in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the baby born that we might live. We thank you for our Savior and King who is coming again. Be magnified now in the hearts of your people. Be magnified in this place. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.